Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. With each episode, our diverse and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention, together, to breathe, to reflect, and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice that we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. Today, we're talking to Simon Sander. Simon runs a portfolio of profitable internet businesses, including About Hire, Oscar Hamilton, PodcastWise, and Why Charlie. Originally from Estonia, Simon also invests in early stage tech companies on the side and has hosted his own podcast, Entrepreneur Decoded, which was number one in several countries upon its debut. Simon, welcome. Thank you. You've called Estonia home your whole life. Is that right? Yeah. I was born in Tallinn, Estonia. It's a country of 1.4, 1.4 million people. And yeah, I was born there, but after high school, I ended up getting a ride in, you know, American college. And I've been kind of going between US and Estonia for the past, you know, decade now. But I still love going back, you know, once a year, I usually go back to friends and family, but I don't have too many connections uh, back there anymore. What's your number one secret for dealing with the time change? You know, <laughs> I think body takes one hour for, um, they, you know, adjust in time zones. So, you know, central time zone and Estonia time zone is eight hours, uh, eight hours difference. So usually, you know, eight to 10 days, just giving your body a bit of time and, you know, not rushing it, but also uh, building a company that is able to, you know, operate without you. And well, you don't have to be, you know, meeting that, you know, specific times or, you know, waking up at odd hours. I think that has been uh, crucial. So 1.4 million people in Estonia came to the U.S. for university. Were you always inspired to get into entrepreneurship? Yeah. Yeah, I got into college. Somehow I got in. So I went to this college called St. Olaf College uh, in Minnesota. Uh, it's a rather small school of, you know, 3,000 people. And I quickly realized I'm surrounded by high performers. And, you know, I was this high school kid who um, wasn't necessarily a great student, but somehow I got into this rather fancy American school. And, you know, when you're surrounded by high performance, whether it's university or, you know, a company, either, you know, you sink or swim. And I kind of decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot and, you know, do my best. You know, somehow I managed, but academics never really interested me as much. So my sophomore year, I kind of decided to take a leap and start my podcast. And needless to say, you can probably hear my odd accent six, seven years ago, it was even worse. Uh, so you can imagine it wasn't the best podcast to start with, but it was an interesting era of podcasting because back then it wasn't as mainstream and, you know, cool and sexy as it is today. But cool thing about podcasting back then was you could get almost anybody to be a guest on your show. So, you know, I was able to interview some of my, you know, back then heroes, you know, Mark Manson, the self-help writer who, you know, became a New York Times bestseller. And, you know, all these other guys that, and also women that I wasn't, you know, never able to connect with back then. And I ended up stuck, sticking with it for 200 episodes. And I think that's sort of the Eastern European mindset of, you know, just put the blinders on and hopefully it sticks or hopefully it works. And then I think I became a bit more self-aware and I kind of realized, you know, for one, I don't really enjoy doing these. And for two, I'm not very good at it. After 200 episodes, I kind of decided, let's, you know, let's end this and let's do something else. Throughout these 200 interviews, I was, you know, became friends with, you know, a dozen of guests. And some of them, you know, wanted to start a podcast. And 
with my kind of technical background and expertise, I was like, hey, you know, why don't I produce and you, go, you know, do the technical stuff for you? And I got my, you know, first clients as a, you know, sole entrepreneur and I was sophomore in college and that was kind of my leap into entrepreneurship. Wow. So you started your own podcast. It was easy enough to actually get famous, successful. Yeah, people. like really famous ones. It was pretty crazy. Who were some of the early customers? So obviously when you're sort of starting off on your own, you're not really resonating with big companies, you know, Fortune 500, you know, enterprise clients. So typically you end up working with small businesses, sole entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, you know, authors, basically individual folks who are kind of trying to build a dent uh, in, in, in the universe. So my first client was by, by the name of Andy Simon, and uh, she is a corporate anthropologist. And, uh, you know, she's been our client for almost six years or something. And it's been, it's been insane because uh, people become your friends. It's sort of really cool to see, you know, people succeed in the long term. When you sort of, when you first start up, you kind of realize, hey, maybe basically she told me, hey, I want to start a podcast. I might do it, you know, 10, 20 episodes. And now she's been running it for six years. So it's, it's really cool to see that. Do you feel like you ever took lessons from these interviews in general that helped you apply them to building the companies that you've built? It's an interesting question because I've been a big nerd when it comes to learning about, you know, leadership management for my whole life. And it's so hard to kind of be self-aware about these things. Like, where did I pick up a specific piece of knowledge? Was it from a book or was it from, you know, a conversation that we're having? But I think the biggest thing I took away from, uh, you know, running this podcast of 200 episodes and then, you know, starting my own company on the side, which is, I don't think people should, should be as patient as they are. I think entrepreneurship and business today really glorifies, you know, be patient, put out content for 10, 15 years, and, you know, eventually success will happen. And I strongly used to believe that, you know, when I was younger, but I think running experiments with your personal life, but with also business, you know, give yourself, let's say six weeks, give it your all. And if something doesn't work, you know, adjust the course and do something else. I see a lot of young entrepreneurs and myself included when I was younger, you know, spending so much time on these, you know, side projects and, you know, businesses that obviously weren't working. You know, I didn't have to do 200 episodes to realize that this wasn't working. And today, you know, we, we produce and work with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of clients, including Fortune 500. We got, you know, Robin of Markets. We got International Monetary Fund, some of the, you know, biggest companies in the world with tens of millions of dollars or in market cap. And I kind of realized that just run an experiment for six weeks. If it doesn't work, move on to something else and, you know, set yourself a goal. Do you want to build a huge company or are you comfortable with, you know, having a sort of a lifestyle business? Um, and that's kind of based on talking with a lot of just, you know, on a friendly note with a lot of successful founders of these, you know, big companies. Yeah. We um, had a conversation recently with Chip Gaines. I asked Chip, you know, when you were building, did you imagine you would have this huge television show and it was going to take, he was flipping houses and working on houses. And his vision was mostly that Fixer Upper came in out of left field and they, they grabbed yeah. it. So my question for you is it, it, in a different way, it, it sounds similar to me. Obviously you didn't have this huge vision. Your freshman year of college, you're going to build this podcasting empire. Yeah. When did you start to develop a vision for what this could become? I think you made such a great point. You know, you kind of have to still have to put in the reps instead of, you know, doing 10,000 reps, you can maybe do hundred or 200 and then adjust, adjust the course. But when, when it comes to, you know, having a vision, I've, I've never really had a specific vision for the podcasting business. It was always, I need to pay my bills. Uh, my rent was, you know, 500 bucks a month after college. So that was kind of my baseline. I need to make 500 bucks and, you know, have some money to eat and go to coffee shops to drink some coffee. So I never had that great vision. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. On the side, I've kind of always had the vision of, I want to, 
you know, one day run a public company and be a CEO of that. And that's sort of been with me ever since I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. Hmm. Uh, but when it comes to kind of the macro level, there was never an aspiration uh, to run a specific revenue number or specific uh, number of, you know, clients for Oscar Hamilton. That being said, today, how we run things is very different. You know, every quarter we set up specific, you know, objectives, key results for each employee, making sure they, you know, hit everything. But that's very different than how it used to be when I, it was just me. Yeah. There's a good point in that because some people that I've spoken to, they have such blinders on with their vision that they miss opportunities that could come up in other conversations. They're so focused on one thing. How do you gauge when a project is in alignment with what you're doing? Yeah, I just love building side projects. I think entrepreneurs tend to do that. And it's very hard for most people uh, to work on something for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Because, you know, you don't get those initial dopamine hits anymore when you wake up in the morning. It's kind of, everything is predictable. You know, when I open up my Slack, when I open up my email, I know exactly what's going to happen there. Questions and the meetings I have with my team members. So you start a side project on the side that kind of makes you a bit more excited to wake up in the morning. And it sounds very depressing, but I think it's kind of the release and more positive way to cope with running a long-term business. I usually come up with an idea when I'm, you know, just in a shower or, you know, taking my dog out. And typically what I do is I find a general manager to run this business. I find somebody, you know, scrappy, sort of young, usually, you know, early 20s. Mm. Uh, It can be, you know, in US, outside of US. And basically they're higher number one. I'll give them sort of direction where I want this idea to go. And I'll give you a, you know, concrete example of that. Uh, so, you know, ChatGBT is kind of exploding all, all, all over the place. And if you haven't heard of ChatGBT, it's basically this AI tool uh, with endless possibilities that Sam Altman built. And, or, I mean, I guess the, he's the CEO with a huge team. I'm seeing this huge opportunity here right now because it's early days of AI, especially, you know, you're able to ask this tool a question, for example, like write me an article on whatever, and it's going to actually give a pretty great output. You know, this is interesting. This is sort of like when Web 2.0 was, you know, getting popular now, you know, with crypto 3.0, there was like a couple of years of, you know, excitement and a lot of opportunity. So it was like, hey, I should, you know, do something. So I came up with a blog idea. I called it whitecharlie.com. And we're going to basically answer all questions uh, with starting with why. Why is sky blue? Why should I wear shoes? Why should I go outside when it's cold? And these are the questions that get answered, you know, a couple hundred times a day uh, or, or a month, I guess. And uh, we also put together a couple of people who sort of edit these questions because the AI is not perfect. So it's going to give us an output and then editors will go through the answers, make it better, add some references. And this is sort of a side project that I was able to take off over the weekend. I hired general manager and general manager hired editors, writers, and then general manager reports back to me. And the maximum of time I have to spend on this, you know, per week is probably like two to five minutes. And I'm going to give it, typically what I do is I give projects around six months because with SEO, with all of that stuff, six weeks is too, too little. So six weeks, six months to, you know, see if it, you know, breaks even and hopefully, you know, becomes a profitable business that runs its own. Mm. So you're uh, a big part of your formula is also finding the right talent though, to support that initiative. Yeah. I think hiring talent is probably the number one skill of entrepreneurship. I mean, entrepreneurship at the end of the day is delegation. Nothing really more than that. And finding very good people who can, you know, who can do work better than you in specific areas in, in the business. And uh, finding these people is really hard. Uh, so I'll give an example. Chief of staff uh, basically 
who was secondhand to me when it comes to, you know, running the company. She runs all the operations at Oscar Hamilton. And I was just kind of overwhelmed with everything that I was doing and I decided I need to hire somebody to help me. So I put together, you know, a job post, chief of staff, salary rather high, you know, top 10%, I think. And I interviewed maybe 70, 80 people and uh, it was really hard to find somebody. So I guess the biggest thing is make sure you have enough qualified leads in the pipeline. So if you're interviewing for any position, most entrepreneurs, you know, interview 5, 10, 15 people and then they pick the best possible one. Never do that. Have at least, you know, 70, 80, you know, some people say, you know, 150 plus candidates in pipeline. Second thing, you know, don't rush it. Uh, take some time. If you honestly feel like the person isn't a player, don't hire them. It's going to cost you in the long run. So mm -hmm. ideally, you want to have every single person in your team who's an A player, meaning that they'll take responsibility for their work. You can tell them, accomplish this goal, and they're going to, going to go out there and you know accomplish this. Most people are unable to do that. And so if you're giving out tasks for your employees instead of goals, you probably have hired wrong people. A hundred percent. You obviously made some great hires. What do you feel... For you has been some of the biggest pivot points personally. I mean, even this year dealt with some really big health things, right? Yeah. So I run my business very differently than I think most internet CEOs, um, because I prioritize my personal time, my time with my partner, my family. I like going to, you know, brunch in the mornings. I like to take long walks with my dog. I like reading, you know, I like going to gym. So. All of this stuff takes up a lot of time. And if I was working eight to 10 hours or 12 to 14, like most, most of the CEOs, I wouldn't have time, you know, for myself. So I kind of decided two, three years ago when I was just overworked that, you know, this has to stop. I very strategically thought about all functions that a company had. So let's say you run a profitable company and you're working eight to 10 hours and you want to stop. Typical entrepreneur, you know, does that. So write out all the functions that your company has from accounting, you know, collecting invoices to sending out sales letters to checking in with your team, one-on-one -on -one meetings. And then make a note uh, to everything that you actually want to do. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And everything that isn't your strength and you don't enjoy doing, you need to delegate with somebody else on your team. So you have this huge list of, you know, tasks. And typically a typical company, a small, small business has, you know, 40 to 100 functions like that. At Oscar Hamilton, we have around like 70 functions that get executed uh, each day. And for each function, you need to find the person who's going to be directly responsible for that function to make sure it uh, gets done. You don't want to have two people to be in charge of a function. You want to have one individual responsible. So if something falls through, you know who to, you know, who's in charge of that. Mm -hmm. You also want to have a backup person and cross-train them. So in case first person gets sick, leaves the company, there's a replacement to go right away. So for example, if you have somebody on your team doing sales calls, they get sick, there's a second person, you know, ready to take over. Third part of the puzzle is have processes and SOPs and how-to guides. Every time anybody on your team does a task, second time, they are required to write it down in a written or a video format. So for example, if I am going to collect invoices the first time, the second time I am required to write it down so I don't have to do it again. And that's sort of a common practice. Mm -hmm. So once you have all these functions, you know, written out, you will only end up with five or six things that you actually really enjoy doing. For me personally, it's um, doing one-on-ones with my team, hiring, firing, and setting the strategy. That's the only thing that I do when it comes to, you know, sales, when it comes to accounting, when it comes to management, when it comes to sort of the micro level that happens on day-to-day -day in company, you can outsource or delegate 99% of that. And entrepreneurs often feel that they need to do it all 
but in most of the time they don't, and they're not, they're not very good at it. So being self-aware that, hey, give yourself a bit of space and hire great people, create those, uh, create those task lists, give out the tasks and keep really tight eye on processes. Uh, and you know, all of a sudden you have all this time in your hands that and you end up working, you know, hour or two. So Simon, I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you, not because I disagree because I 100 and 10% agree. But I know what everybody uh, is thinking in their head is an objection to this. And they always say, oh, Simon, I, but but for me, I, you know, this is this task, only I can do it so well. Other people can't do it nearly as well as me. And if I do it, they screw it up. You know, and, and this happens, right? You hire someone, they drop the yeah. ball. And yeah. um, the, the normal uh, average entrepreneur or business owner wants to grab that responsibility back because they saw what happened when they delegated. Yeah. It was so uncomfortable in the beginning to get this process started because I remember exactly even you're know, delegating my email box. It sounds pretty absurd, but I had this fear in my head. You know, what if somebody sends out an email on my behalf and uh, messes something up or, yeah. you know, there's a salesperson who does a sales call and make us look, makes us look bad. What you want to do is, number one, you know, hire great people. Number two, give them a trial. You don't need to hire them full-time. Give them one week trial and see how they do. And for example, number three, don't give them all access like on day one. For example, with email, have them go through your email and grade drafts. And if they, you know, if they mess up, edit the draft and make sure, you know, next time you'll change, uh, change the body of the email a bit. When it's same, same thing with sales calls, instead of having them do 200 sales calls a month, have them, you know, start with one and see how they do. And even if you don't trust, if you don't trust them to do one sales call, have them do like a, like a loom or, you know, one way video interview with themselves where they have pitching a potential client. So it doesn't mean that you have to give out all responsibility at once, hundred percent. And I think that would be a bit foolish anyways, very slowly adjust. And if you feel like person is performing, give them more responsibility, start off very slow, you know, give them, you know, 10% of what you're doing when it comes to the question of, Hey, me personally, I can do this best. If it's actually true, good for you. And you can, you know, and if you actually enjoy it, make sure you can keep going and doing it. But entrepreneurs tend to have a lot of biases and they think they can do everything really well. And based on my experience, this is not true at all. And I'll give an example. In the early days, I used to do sales phone calls and I thought I, I'm this friendly guy, you know, I'm, I'm really good at it. And when I started listening to the sales calls that I did, I quickly realized hey, I'm pretty horrible at it. And having a salesperson who's actually trained and knows what they're doing, it's, it's a game changer. And the moment you make that switch in your head and give it, and you give out responsibility, number one, like your company will grow. You'll have more free time. And I guess you have to ask yourself, like, are you fine with your companies today? Or do you want to, you know, have more free time and grow your revenue? as well. And if you don't, that's completely fine. And most people, most entrepreneurs end up working to death for the rest of their days because they don't want to make that switch of, you know, hiring people and giving out uh, tasks. It's really crazy. Yeah. Uh, you, you nailed it. And you know, my other line of work is doing consulting and coaching and the things you're bringing up are things that we see are very common, as you know, and it's what holds them back. It becomes their ceiling for time. A couple of things that I, I really wanted to ask. One was, you have this ability, just like you're doing on this podcast, you have this ability to make it sound so simple and so easy to build all these businesses. You know, and if we went back in time to 18-year-old you versus who you've become through this process today, you know, it, it probably sound a little bit different. But but let us let let the listeners in a little bit. Like what have been some of the biggest walls that you've personally hit? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me has been the concept of heroing. 
And the idea is basically when employees are having problems, challenges, there's client, but you know, clients are not happy. Instead of letting employees fix the problem, CEO or me jumps in and, you know, tries to fix the situation. Yes. This is very common. And I've done that so many times, um, because for various different reasons, um, I think I like having full control of my company, of my business, and I tend to fall back to old patterns. So I constantly have to remind myself and to have that written at the top of my notion or my to-do list every day, be a CEO, work on your business, in your business. So whenever I have an idea, let's say, you know, make the landing page better, because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I, I bootstrapped all of my businesses. It's very easy for me to, you know, go to Photoshop, you know, start playing around with it, spend the next two hours, you know, coming up with a cool landing page image and then realize, oh, you know, it's 2 p.m. and I've, that's all I've accomplished today. And I have this huge team and like, is this time well spent? So two things, let your employees make mistakes. Don't jump in and give them guidance. Make sure they ask questions. A good question to ask your employees is if they're stuck, what you intend to do instead of telling them do this, do that. So it gives them, you know, responsibility and uh, sort of ownership over their uh, tasks. And second is, you know, if you want to be a CEO, uh, it's, you know, you not need to act like one because I don't think I acted like one for a very long time. Uh, so make sure you actually spend your time wisely. And, uh, you know, I used to track my times and I, my, my goal was to work, you know, eight hours a day. That was sort of my threshold every single day. And thinking back, I kind of realized how absurd it is, you know. Eight hours of work doesn't, you know, mean anything if the output is the same, if I can accomplish in that in 30 minutes. So for years, I was religiously, you know, I need to get eight hours in, like no matter what, if it was, you know, Saturday, Sunday, any day. And instead of, you know, having a specific threshold and, or, or work, work hours, make sure you're making progress where you want to go. I think that's wonderful wisdom for, for many people. Uh, heroing, it, it feels good natured. You want to help the person, you want to save the business. And so you jump in to help but you're stealing a lesson to develop your next level of leaders. And that's part of scalability too, right? Yeah. Well, a couple of lightning round, and these are just quick questions, but really great for our listeners. If you were just looking at your phone, thinking of the last app that you're really excited about, what, what would that be? Yeah, Notion. Notion for sure. Yeah, we run everything in Notion, all our processes, SOPs, my own to-do list. You know, yeah, if Notion went down, I had no idea. I have no idea what they'd do. Okay, awesome. Book that you've listened to or read recently that was that was influential in helping you? Yeah, this is available for free on uh, in Google Docs. It's by Matt Mockery, and it's called The Mockery Method. It's basically principles of great leadership management. And I've probably reread the thing like 25 times over the last you know three years. Goes over all the great management lessons from top tech companies uh, from the world. And uh, Matt is just, you know, a fantastic guy. And, you know, he made it available for free. I think you can get it from Amazon as well, but the Google Docs version is more updated. So I'd recommend it. Yeah, that's a great resource. And then because you've been in the game of interviewing for 200 episodes, I feel like this is an interesting question for you. Who's a person you've always wanted to meet, but never have? Yeah, I, I met all my heroes. I don't, I don't have one. Not everybody wants to say that. I think it's partly because I grew up in Estonia and I always looked into, you know, the Estonian entrepreneurship ecosystem. I think, you know, you know, in US, we have these uh, CEOs who are sort of creating the celebrities. In Estonia, it's very different. Uh, you know, if, you're, uh, if your net worth is thousand millions or, you know, very, very rich, 
you go to the same coffee shops as, you know, everybody else and you're not treated any differently. So, you know, uh, you get to meet all these people very easily. It's very different than what's happening in the U.S. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't have any specific person that I would uh, like to meet. I know it's a boring answer. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I think it's, it's amazing that you've had the opportunity to meet many of those people already, which says something. I guess the last thing, and this may be a little generic, but we'd love to hear different answers. What's your morning routine? What's your morning routine during the work week? Oh, you're going to hate me for this. Again, this is so boring. This is so boring. My day is so random. You know, I work a couple hours a day. So I typically I go to bed around, you know, midnight, maybe 1 a.m. Last night I was on my laptop until 6 a.m., you know, just playing around. So typically I wake up, you know, 10 a.m., sometimes 9 a.m. Uh, I make my coffee. I go on a long walk with my dog typically for like an hour and uh, I don't take any meetings before typically before 1 p.m. This was, you know, kind of the first in five years, which has been interesting. And I try to get all the important stuff out of the way before lunch. I do lunch, you know, around 2 p.m. So the morning routine literally is coffee and uh, going out to walk with my dog. I used to do, you know, morning pages and meditation and sort of all of that. And it became, I felt like I was just not enjoying it as much. Maybe I need to get back to it, but I feel like I'm getting a lot done these days. You know, morning is my prime time and I just really enjoy getting my coffee and, you know, starting, starting working after I got, get a bit of fresh air. So yeah, I don't have any, any, any morning routine at this point. Appreciate the honesty. And honestly, we, I think we asked the question because uh, I think it's healthy to understand that you don't have to be a morning warrior that starts at 4.30 a.m. to have built successful things and, and maintain growing them, right? There's a lot of different ways to find that success. I think in the, the underpinning of, of a lot of this conversation has been you've been a student of the game and learning a lot of these principles through practice. I feel like there's a lot of golden nuggets in what you've shared, but I really appreciate your time today. And and thanks uh, from our audience too, for being willing to share the lessons before your 1 p.m. traditional meeting time. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening.